Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. You guys, in my favorite industry, consumer goods and beverage. And back on the podcast is Umberto Lucini. It's so great to have you, man. It's so great to have you back on the show. This is so cool. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me back. Time flies. I know. It was right. So a year ago, um, you were on the podcast. For those that uh, haven't met Umberto, you guys hit pause. Go back to July 2019. (laughs) It's a a year ago, Um, and check out that episode. You'll hear all about uh, Wolf Spirit Distillery, which is an unbelievable um, brand and company. And you'll learn more about Umberto and his background. Let's see, former CMO at Campari, right? And then you go and you start Wolf Spirit Distillery. So I tell you what, for some of our listeners that are new, let's just do a quick flyby. And you know, how did you get the company started? Like, when was that? And then how did you have this idea? Um, and then we'll get into some of your brands. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. I, uh, I, I, I'm Italian. I moved here 15, uh, well, actually 17 years ago. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, with, with Campari, I was lucky enough to, uh, to be one of the first ones that Campari sent to the U.S. to, to, uh, manage their, their bitter liqueur. And, uh, I grew in the organization, became CMO. And then I just, uh, you know, uh, three year end of 2016, I thought time for me to give it a shot. And, uh, what felt like a crazy move, it was actually exciting for me. So partner with a friend of mine who's a, uh, was a farmer in Bakersfield and uh, we decided to um, launch a vodka, create a vodka, but the, the actual, because that is the overall objective that we had, but what, what really gave us, uh, let's say joys and, and pain <laughs> and in, in the end, blood, a lot of blood, sweat and tears was uh, the, the fact we wanted to actually create a distillery and wow. set it all by the equipment and all that. So it's that's the difference is having yeah, the production capacity, right? Versus just creating a brand. Got it. Yeah, because uh, you you could you can buy alcohol and and already made vodka actually in the market. It's uh it's not um it, it's something you don't need to set up a distillery if you want to launch a brand in, in the alcohol business. But we um we really thought it was it would have been be- it, it just felt the right thing to do to have a story to have a place of an origin and to control the quality of, of the liquid and to really own the process from grain to cup and uh it, it that that decision you look back and you're like wow we were really crazy uh, <laughs> because it's it, one it, of the best things you did right it, it was but it was also one i mean aside from the expense which we we were aware of but it, it's the time sure. uh, that you of just learning how to produce what is in the end a relatively in the world of spirits it's probably the easiest spirit to produce With vodka sure yeah but the it's also the most challenging because we say in the industry vodka is naked i mean <laughs> there's there's no way you can hide if you're doing good or bad vodka uh it's when you taste it straight sure. you know if, if it's good or bad if it's good, that's for sure 
there's really no other flavor that can you can add or or sugar that you can put to 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 kind of mask a default. So it took us a year to find a liquid that we could actually internally we could actually drink a on year. our end. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No every why, every though? batch well, yeah, yeah, yeah every, every batch takes a month approximately to, okay. to produce. So and you really know towards the end if it's a, a good batch or not. So you're you're kinda committed to it and then you're like ah we hope and we throw away a few thousand <laughs> liters of, 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 of alcohol <laughs> just dump that down yeah. the drain yeah <laughs> sort of sort of sort of i know there's actually more to it um well how did you how did you choose eugene oregon yeah uh, well we were looking for a place that had a personality and and spoke to a certain set of values and, and those values are really tied to the the the, the maker's community i mean we, ah got it we okay. um Everybody in the organization, from me and my partner to to all the team that now we have set up, uh, are all people who have worked for for big corporations and and uh, and left what we think. I mean, what were actually relatively comfortable jobs to to give it a shot on sure. our own. Absolutely. And this maker makers community, to be honest, I mean the 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 one of the states that most represents it is is Oregon. And uh, and and within Oregon, Eugene it was the town that, for us, gave us a, a lot of personality. We didn't we didn't want to go to Portland mainly because there's it's already a lot of competition there. Sure. Eugene, at the time, we were the first fully operational distillery. Now there's wow. a, there's a lot more, obviously, but sure. at the time we were the first one. So we thought we have a town with personality in a state that represents really the makers movement and uh and the in a region the pacific northwest which has a lot of stories and emotions tied to it so kind of made sense and um and then uh, we fell in love with the area and uh I have it's to amazing say, <laughs> i was there last week now that the season is turning like yep. it is now and it's just unbelievable it's um, it's a beautiful place for those that have never traveled to Oregon. I mean, Oregon is a beautiful place and Eugene is unbelievable. Um, Wolf Spirit Distillery, two big brands, Blood, Sweat and Tears Vodka, Tama Finland. You've got another new product we're, we're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes. Um, so talk about where, you know, last year we talked about some of the history on the brands and how you got those rolling. Like where where have things come over the last... 12 months or so and what what have you seen trend wise and then you know we and then we ran into covid so you can maybe even talk to some of the impact of that as well yeah so i i think i think i'll give you the story until <laughs> until march 12th and then uh and, right. and then we can and then i can tell you what what's after that but uh until march 12th which ironically was is my birthday oh. uh, until march 12th uh both brands, both Sweat Tears, Vodka, and, and Tom of Finland, uh, we've been doing great, honestly. And uh, BSD, as we call, we've been selling, we sold last year or in, tw- in a 12-month period, 7,000 cases, which equates to close to 50,000 bottles. Wow. Uh, opened up 25 markets, generated nearly a million in revenue. So honestly, in all parameters, a, a fairly start. remarkable yeah. yeah remarkable remarkable success especially because 
we were getting repeat orders and and that is really what counts it's you're starting to get a consumer uh getting exposed to the brand appreciating it and actually buying it again sure uh tom of finland great start because obviously it's a vodka uh, to celebrate in the end the lgbt community and um we it was great to launch it during the summer season with all the prides happening and then over over the holidays we still had great momentum and uh, so that brand did very well a bit less volume than uh than bsd it's also a higher price point sure but it's um it, it really went very well organic spoke to a really the consumer perfectly so we we were on a roll and uh, we were to the point where we decided also internally to invest in launching in a Kentucky straight bourbon. Right, which we're going to talk um, about. Puncher's Chance. That, correct. And uh, so we we were heading we were heading straight like a bullet. And uh, and then it was March 12th when we had and I specify March 12th. It's not my birthday, by the way. I mean, it is my birthday, <laughs> but not because of my birthday. Right. I specify March 12th because that's when we had our internal board meeting with uh, our shareholders and and we in in Vegas of sure. all places. So you know, you're probably in, one of the last uh, ones the, there. <laughs> we <laughs> honestly, it already felt a bit surreal, but we we were all thinking, okay, there's gonna be a week or two of a bit of a rough ride, but we'll be fine. And uh, then obviously, I mean, you enter, uh, and, and then the world changed. Right. I would say I, I I can only say the world changed because. Uh, I don't know what the future holds. Nobody knows, but we know it's not going to be the same. Right. And um, so until then, and we told our board members, it's like, oh, everything is going to be fine. We are heading in a strong direction. We are good. Uh, then the world changed. And what happened after that is that basically it's the, it's the, I, I think someone out there, decided to take the name blood sweat and tears to the extreme level and they just wanted to test whether we are truly resilient and behind <laughs> our brands because it, it's been a fight for survival uh, right. the reality is you you read in the media uh alcohol consumption has been growing considerably which is true um in all categories spirits beer and wine and but Who's been driving the growth consistently? It's the big brands and the big sizes. Got it. And and it's not necessarily hoarding like toilet paper. Uh, that's a crazy thing. <laughs> right. Um, th- this has been more about going into a grocery store, going to a liquor store, and because the experience is so odd and alienating right now, of just going outside between face masks and protective gear, social distancing, and everything. You want to go in these stores, buy what you know, and get the hell out of it. Got it. Uh, Versus you're, new brands. You're not, not going to cruise along and try to discover new things and look at craft products. and Sure. You know, and, and so this has really hurt us, or actually hurt the craft industry terribly. Got it. Uh, to the point that some numbers thrown out there, we won't know until, I hope, a couple of months. When things will really stabilize, um, some numbers say a third of craft distilleries will shut down. Because it's because, possible. Right. It's possible. Wow. When, when, when you're part of a big company and, and you hit such a hard economical recession, um, if you're a big company, you you lay off workers. If you're a small company, you shut down. Right. You don't have that margin 
uh, in the cost structure to lay off people. I mean, we are we're there. We have six people. It's not going to make a difference to lay off three or four. Right. Uh, that, that that is the reality. When when you get such a strong uh, economic recession, such strong headwinds. So we um we we you know we 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 kind of got back to our core. And we and we knew we had great distribution on the retail, sure. But we also knew consumers weren't. We couldn't taste. We couldn't do any tastings. We couldn't do any activation on retail. The distributor wasn't taking picking up the phone because they were handling bigger issues on their own end. Right. So we um we decide we we simply said okay, some of us will make bigger sacrifices and we'll cut salaries, and some people will get no salary and and. Uh, and we will try to survive for the next few months, hoping that things will pick up. But I, I believe me, April first, it wasn't a full day. It was a bad day. We we had uh, we really had no view of how long this would have lasted and sure. whether we would have survived. Sure. Plus, we had the plans of launching a brand and all the costs associated to right. it. And and it was a bit too late to to re- stop that, but it. We couldn't continue either because no no one would want us to launch a brand. No distributor, no retailer wanted to new, new brand right now. <laughs> right. Okay. Nobody had a clue. Yeah, I mean it's like nine eleven. You you had no clue what was gonna happen the day after. You you really sure. it's something the world collectively had never been through. Because if the last we look at the last plague in the nineteen eighteen, there's no one alive that lived that. That's probably. right. So so for us it's all new territory. Now, looking back, we have to say we, we've been resilient. We survived. We, we are back into selling mode uh, since, since mid-May. And have we, you seen orders actually, picked up? Have you seen orders yeah, picking exactly, up and whatnot exactly. yeah, sell through? Exactly. So, so we're getting orders in. We're getting cash back in the organization. That's good. Uh, we've been able to actually do promotions and activities a bit more. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears took a bit more of a benefit than Tom of Finland. The, the the biggest problem Tom of Finland obviously has to face is the fact that there's no Pride events this summer. Got it. So uh, that opportunity of activating, exposing the brand to the consumer is not going to be there. We've been trying to do virtual and interactive activity on, on the internet. The, the reality is that marketplace in liquor is still very small, still very young. Uh, China is around 300 times bigger than us in terms of web activity on liquor and ordering e-commerce. So China is way ahead of us in the game. We are still relatively third world. We still have to go to a liquor store. We still have a sure. three-tier system. Yep. I mean, it's it's not that complicated. It's not, sorry, it's not that easy as other industries where you step up e-commerce and you recover. Right, and then you can of, sell. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, no doubt. And and we're launching a new brand, so we are back. We are back into business. Along the way, we saw quite a few casualties, and that experience in itself uh, is definitely humbling. And and it really makes you understand that when you start entrepreneurial activity, it's fun to talk about it with friends. Uh, you right. feel, you're proud of yourself, but the, the <laughs> risk. <laughs> The risk you really realize it when when problems hit. Sure, uh, because everybody will tell you, "Yeah, be careful. You're not pre- like you're not a big company. You have no reserves and all that." But when things go well, 
that is in the back of your mind, but you don't think about it. Well, once you hit problems, you really you're you really have no margin of, right. of error. No you're, question. You're it's funny. That's that's probably like the biggest takeaway you could have for this. I mean, for this discussion, you know what I mean? You just yeah. And, and then the the other thing we did was we uh, we kept the distillery operating because the 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 equipment, the machinery. If you stop it, it it's going to be a write off on your business that is very painful. Got so it. we kept the business operating, and by doing what in the end a lot of distillers have been doing is producing hand sanitizers and helping the local oh, community. So hmm. turning around all the alcohol that we needed anyway to buy uh, to help the community. And and we've been doing that locally. We've been sending hand sanitizers to our distributors around the country to help their salespeople. Um, it's small bottles. We, we produced a few gallons for hospitals in California uh, and medical centers. Uh, that asked for help. I mean, we really rallied with other distillers to to help out. That's really it, cool. It allowed us to keep employed our local people. It allowed us to keep the machinery moving. Uh, it made us feel like we were helping out, um, and uh, we are still we actually still producing them, uh, mainly because we that that is one one of the constants that will remain out of this pandemic is is this. Obviously, a uh, need of, of being a bit more safe and clean, sure. and keeping sanitization. So, we we are definitely trying to to maintain that line of business and to help locally, uh, while we obviously need to produce vodka. And sell sure, vodka. right. Well, and that's I mean, amazing story, and so good to hear that volumes picked up. Um, and you know, for for lots of people, I'm, I'm hoping and that volume is picked up. Um, talk about Puncher's Chance, like cool name. Where did that come from? And then how did you decide to get into bourbon? And how is that different in terms of the process of creation than vodka? Sure. Um, so I've, I've, I've had the, the, the privilege in my career to work on a, on a Kentucky straight bourbon um, with a lot of history, heritage, master distiller and that that is wild turkey got it and um with a great personality big brand <laughs> yeah big brand the dirty bird or the chicken chicken <laughs> chicken uh, a brand with a with a great personality and what i really appreciated the most about that brand is that it always stood behind it, its values the people behind it never never budged they had multiple owners before campari so uh, every time new ownership you know, new marketing team comes and says, well, we have to do this, we have to do that. And the people who actually produced the brand just went their own way. And they always believed that it had to be one-on-one proof made with a specific mash bill and always had a very focused idea. And uh, I kind of took treasure of that. And I, I looked at the bourbon landscape and the whiskey landscape in the U.S. And I said, where, if we have to launch a bourbon, where, where is a bit of a white space? And and what what I thought was was a very important uh, message to send out there and celebrate um, as a foreigner to this country who has then become a U.S. citizen was uh, kind of celebrate two two uh, two things that are core to America. The, the The first one is pretty basically bourbon in itself. Bourbon is American by nature, just like champagne is French. So you, uh, that I thought needed 
a celebration. The fact that you had an American product that can stand stand proudly in the on the in the world scene. The second is the American spirit and the, that American spirit of fighting for what you believe in. Which I and love. Honestly, I love this was uh, this was a year ago without even having obviously having no clue of what would have happened March thirteenth or fourteenth or so on. So the the real reason is that we I, I always thought okay let's let's look at a brand and a product that can stand up and celebrate two distinctly American features. One is bourbon, and Kentucky is the heartland of bourbon. And the second is the true American spirit of fighting for what you believe in. That's cool. And uh, and I've been. And, and it really, serendi- I mean, these things happen around always the table or uh, a bar or yeah. a drink and so on. And uh, one of the one of the thoughts, I mean, was bring back one of the sports that really elevated uh, America when I grew up in the eighties and nineties in back in Europe, and uh, and that was boxing. And uh, mm. the as I did a bit more because I. I I grew up in the year of Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson, his, his ability of, of creating so much emotion around, around the ring was incredible. And his rise and fall was just as incredible. So the story is a metaphor for life in a certain sense, but it, but the, the interesting thing is that I, I didn't look at Mike Tyson in the classic way of the hero who shows up very young and, Three punches and right. and done. Right. I actually looked at it on the other side. The the, the one who the one who had to fight Mike Tyson and ninety percent of the people who went on the ring against him already knew they were gonna lose. So the mindset of, of the fear of losing pretty much generated the loss. Except Buster Douglas. And Buster Douglas knew that he had only one shot, but he had a chance. And right. that that for me represented the American spirit. Is the guy who gets on the ring. He knows the odds are all against him, but he's got he or she. They have a chance. That one shot that can change the whole game. And he did that one shot, and the and the world changed for Mike Tyson that day. And and I thought that metaphor was very strong for an American bourbon in a context where I, there's a lot of people who are trying to hit it, that entrepreneurial spirit again and, and make a difference in their life and fighting really for what you believe in. And, uh, and then the name just came just as a, as a natural evolution um, of, of the thinking. And, uh, and, and this is really important is the fact that it's really, it, it's, it's really two core American values. Uh, and it's really about the passion in creating a product that is distinctly American and the, the spirit of fighting for what you believe in. Sure. And, uh, wow. and that, that has led to, to, to a Kentucky straight bourbon called Puncher's, Puncher's Chance. So where are you producing that? Is it in the same production facilities or did you no. have to change, you know what I mean, or add on to? How sure. does that work? So very, very basic one-on-one on, on, on bourbon. Bourbon needs to be produced in the U.S. So it's doesn't need to be produced in Kentucky, but has to be <laughs> produced in in the U.S. And uh, but you um you you there's specific rooms, very tight, more than scotch in a certain sense. And uh, and so there was no 
possibility for us to do it in uh, in Oregon and definitely in our, our distillery. Uh, the process is different than vodka. The investments behind are different. You have to age the product in barrels for at least two years, but before four, it's actually not really uh, ready to be drunk. Um, so we partner with a with a company that has a lot of bourbon already available and Got it. That has a lot of inventory that is aging and uh, very close to, I mean, pretty ready to bottle. Mm. And uh, and uh, and we partner with them, and we 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 said let's go to the heartland of of bourbon. That heartland is by far Kentucky, where around eighty percent of <clears throat> the bourbon is made. Got it. So we we established a partnership with them, and we are based in Danville. Oh, very which good. Is, okay. uh, a couple of hours from Louisville, and um, and and basically, and we have our seventy. Sorry, five rig houses uh, out there. Sure, uh, aging bourbon, and uh, we'll we'll be ready. Actually, we're we're gonna bottle in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's gonna be launching here in the next couple of weeks. That's ex- that's pretty awesome. Now, and just you know how how does that work? Help our listeners that don't know. I mean, we talked about the three tier distribution system before, but as you launch a new product, are you like what's the sell in process for that within retail and, w- and within your distributors? So, in in a normal situation, which I have to say, it's not very far now post COVID, but in a, in a, in a normal situation, you you start talking about a new brand or a new product three to six months ahead uh, to the distributor. And you always try to plan it in a way that you're not hitting the end of the year. Uh, end of end of the calendar year is when distributors really want to be left alone to handle their own. Uh, the end of the year, the fiscals of the big companies and, and so on. So you don't want to launch towards the end of the year. So knowing that, knowing that you need to have everything set up and ready to ship around August, at the latest, you you work backwards, and then you, you so let's say with punchers to give you really the concrete example is probably the best one is in January Fe- January February we started talking about it and showing some some pictures of the bottle and sending a few limited samples of the liquid to a few of the states we had identified distributors there and a few of our key retailers that were already taking the vodkas uh, we we started talking to them about a third brand, about adding to our portfolio and really planning it out. Uh, obviously, we hit. We were expected to launch in April. The world changed in March. Uh, we are now launching in July. Uh, and we've been lucky because honestly, if, if we missed... If we were, if we missed July, we would have had to look at 2021, which financially would have hurt us. So. Sure. <laughs> we are rushing to to this, but the process is really a three tier system. Really makes you focus on on the next year after yours, which is Correct. the distributor. Correct. Yeah. You, you. My job is to figure out a brand that appeals to the consumer, but my team and the team who's running the really the the sales side, their job is to be sure the distributor understands that this is as an opportunity for them. Uh, there is a consumer out there, but before the consumer, we have to go through the tiers. And, uh, and, and it's fun. I mean, there's phenomenal brands out there. A lot of them struggle because they can't crack the code with the distributor. Interesting. Um, so, so it's not that, the retailer. That the, they can't crack the, the distributor code. That's interesting. Cor- yeah, correct. So 
you you have great smart people creating phenomenal brands, great products, but the route to market is the, the distributor the survive, Yeah, it's the life or death of, of in in our industry, and it is a very small route to market. There's not a lot of distributors around the country. There's definitely not a lot that have a national footprint. So if you have to go in multiple states and every state is a different distributor, it really becomes logistically and management-wise very complicated to work with. Now, there's a handful of distributors who have a national footprint, but they have over 2,500 brands. Right. And so good luck in knocking at the door and <laughs> yeah, getting, getting attention. Getting on the door. <laughs> right. And, and good luck in doing it in a moment where they don't even take meetings because they the, everything is done remotely. So right. it, it really is about the connections and what you've shown you've been capable of doing. So th- thanks really to the 12 months of success of Blood, Sweat, Tears and Tom of Finland, we were still able to c- get in front of the distributors with a bourbon. Now, Got it. You, pr- you present a bourbon now to a distributor and everybody gets excited. <laughs> for 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 two main reasons, it's an American product, yep. and it has history and tradition. And when historically, when a recession hits, everybody goes back to American products with history right. and tradition. I see, got it, it. It always reassures you. When you have problems, you look back and those look at the past as a place of reassurance, and you look at brands that have tradition as a as a as a confirmation that there's there's safety, there's solidity, there's there's uh, there's there's calm out there sure. uh, in, in stormy weather. So for us, it Good just timing. came very. It, it really worked out. I, I don't want to say well. It would have been much better if there was no virus. But <laughs> right. um, in the context, we are actually launching a brand that really speaks to the consumer who comes out of all this, but also the industry, uh, because it shows a resilient craft distillery. That and company that made it through the storm and yep. is actually doubling down and launching another product. I love it. To live courageously with great purpose. I don't know. I read that somewhere. Exactly. That's our mantra. <laughs> I know. That's the, I, I pulled that's the wolf. That's the wolf. The, the wolf spirit. That's really cool. Um, as uh, you shared a couple of the biggest lessons learned or just in talking through, you know, um, getting through the, this you know, COVID crisis, what, what, what if for the other entrepreneurs out there listening, you know, what would be one or two other big things that your takeaways over the last year or so um, with your two existing brands and the new one? Yeah. Well, the, one of the main takeaways is uh, take care of your people uh, a lot because uh, the, the, it, it can change very rapidly and uh, seeing, for sure. Seeing bartenders, seeing restaurants shutting down, bartenders being laid off, it's heartbreaking. These are people who uh, who have helped you build the business, who have, right. who have been behind you, who love the craft industry. And, uh, and so even if it's giving them a temporary job or, or a role, take care of the people out there. Um, the, you'll, never, you'll never have complaints if you... Uh, Take care of your people. If you help out, uh, exactly. Uh, you'll always you'll always fall asleep. My 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 dad always used to say it's the best thing is at the end of the day just to fall asleep innocently like a kid because basically you know you've done you've done your job. That's for and, sure. Uh, That's for and, sure. And that was one thing. The second thing is 
man, look at your financials and be so careful how you spend the money. Don't in, in good times get that. And, and I'm lucky. I, I I'm Italian and grew up in a family that has been even too much tight on money. Um, but just be careful. You never know what's ahead. Um, That's for sure. Uh, as an actor, I used to say, I mean, you make plans and God laughs. So right. that is totally true. Just plan ahead, but also know that things can change in 24 hours. You have no clue really what's going to happen. That's for sure. But if you have, if you smartly manage your, your finances, you, you have a bit of, of, of reserve to face everything. And then as human beings, we are by nature resilient. We adapt to change and we survive and we thrive out of change. But really the two big things is look internally and just be sure you're you're clean with yourself ethically and you're clean with yourself financially. And then it. with that, you, you, you can face pretty much anything. Well, Umberto, it's been so great having you back on. I'm excited um, that you've got volume back moving again and uh i'm excited about your new brand i cannot wait to go find it after july <laughs> once it gets out to market um it's fun you know it i always love uh, personally like talking to people like you that are you know entrepreneurs with brands and then seeing your product out in the market i always think it's so cool and uh, i've had fun uh, running into blood, sweat, and tears, and uh, Tama Finland, you know, around Atlanta and whatnot. So very, very cool. Yeah, I we are launching in Georgia, the Puncher's Chance. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you will find it by the end of the year, if not earlier. That's awesome. And we'll, we'll obviously send you a bottle. But, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it, it's um, I. I never had, I mean, when I launched the vodkas, everybody would say, oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> when, I'm, when I talk about whiskey, people just go crazy. It's a whole different like, ballgame. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, wow, now we talk. It's <laughs> like, okay. All right. Oh, man. All right. Well, cool. Well, Umberto, it's been great having you back on. We'll have to make this a regular deal. Um, maybe have uh, you back on later this year. Always my pleasure. Yeah. But let's see. Once this new brand launches, have you come back on and talk about growing that and It'll be great. Yep. We'll keep it going. Thank you. I really, again, really appreciate And good luck and be safe and stay well. Awesome. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.